1: welcome to blowing bubbles positive conversation with people in their bubbles their safe spaces around the world i'm samuel mann i'm at Otago polytechnic today and i am joined from whakatani by mawera karatai kia ora mawera
0: kia ora, sam how's it going
1: it's going very well how was your long weekend
0: it was fantastic we spent the weekend down in gisborne pest hunting um, and jack shot his first deer so um that is going to feed us for the next while and I'm be, being a very, very proud mum.
1: Indeed. And who are we introducing today?
0: It is my very great pleasure to introduce Dr Elizabeth Kirikiri, um, who I first met standing on the steps of Parliament when we presented our Marty Wards petition. Um, and I've got this beautiful photo of me, Elizabeth and Jack standing together and we treated that. Elizabeth, it is so wonderful to have you here today. Thank you for sharing with us. Oh, it's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: Elizabeth, where are you, Elizabeth?
0: I'm actually
2: back at work, so this is my office. Uh, it is a uh, nice, bright uh, haven inside this place.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and how was your long weekend?
2: I had the best weekend. I put the laptop and work away. I did not open it, and and I just spent the whole weekend at home. We did the gardening. I built a uh, big wooden garden bed from scraps of wood that we had at home. And we started painting our wash house and just, you know, just outside all day with the family. And I thought, you know, a lot of what this job is, is thinking about the country and and talking about whānau as everyone else is. And this weekend I decided to commit to my own the people I live with, which is my partner Alofa, uh, my sister Lorna, and uh, her boy Ryan, and our cats and dogs.
1: So where is home?
2: Uh, Gisborne. So uh, we live now, we used to be in the country, but we're in town now, So, and it was idyllic. It was beautiful, gorgeous weather all weekend, and yeah, cruising.
1: So we've been asking people how their bubble life was, and now of course we need to explain which bubble life how was your first bubble life
2: back in last year yes so we were home uh we had my partner and i and our nephew was already living with us uh and our niece came up from dunedin so again we're really fortunate we own our home so we had no worries about security of tenure or that we might get kicked out or our rent raised or anything. We and we've got a lovely backyard, we've got our animals and so we had everything we needed. I was the shopper, so we're very strict. I'm immunocromised. Um my partner and I both have underlying health conditions and so we're very, very strict to the rules, still are. Uh and and so it was lovely we spend a lot of time sorting stuff all those jobs that say when you get a minute when you get time you'll get to it and you never do it. and my niece was great because she's good good organizer so she would help me sort things and she'd go do you really need that and i go i'll save this for later and they said or someone else could use it right now and so we sent masses of we sent um, a whole lot of stuff to women's refuge clothes sheets we sent a whole lot of stuff to the hospice shop uh, and it just felt all a get into things you never get to but b that weight that lifts off you when you let go of things that you don't need anymore
1: and were you working from home yes because zoom
2: (laughs) never ever (laughs) i spent so many hours glued to a screen watching people and and it was an interesting way to stay connected because in that Māori concept of kanohi kita kanohi we say that we we have better conversations when we're together so technically we're seeing each other's face but there's still and you can create an energy I believe on zoom but it's it's still just really different you have to work harder Than what you can create in in a room, Uh, but in terms of accessibility, being able to connect with people out overseas, bring people in from wherever they were, uh, it's quite magical, really.
1: You're an MP. Did you manage to sort of hang together as a as a caucus?
2: I was. I only got elected in November, so I've only had to do a lockdown as an MP this time. Uh, So last time I was still a community member and. What was remarkable last time, especially, I think, was that people realised that things that they said we couldn't possibly do online, that we had to, and people had to get used to working. Hilarious things of particularly older people uh, who are even my generation trying to figure out the technology. Uh, but I think we'd already been together for quite a long time before this lockdown, and we have all worked together in different capacities because I was in a leadership role in the party before I got elected. And so because we have really strong staff, we have clarity on what, we're, uh, what we have to do, then that kind of machine keeps rolling and we, we can fit into it. So we're able to continue the bulk of our work And of course, the situation we're in right now with Auckland still in lockdown, and that means puts out four of our MPs. Uh, When the Speaker relaxed the rules that that some people could travel, then our uh, our co-leader Marama will be coming back down. she's actually here self-isolating because of our other co-leader, James, going to uh, Glasgow for the climate change talks. So yes, it's, uh, you're kind of, Luckily, don't have to rely on the individual to keep it all rolling. We fit in where we're meant to.
1: And I suppose a small party is already good at working locally, nationally, in a distributed and flexible way. Exactly
2: that. Uh, we, we're just really organised about, especially, well, We it means... We have to just share the duty in the house. Uh, we're speaking on each other's bills, so that Auckland people send us through notes so that we can talk to them. Uh, because on top of the work we've already got, then we don't always have the time to do all the research that we you'd normally do before you speak. Uh, so we really rely on our colleagues to keep, kind of catch us up and make sure we've got the main things. Uh, but yeah, we're, it is, it is true. When you're small, you try to you have to cover a lot of lot of things. <laughs>
1: But that's doubly challenging. That I hadn't thought of that. Having to speak on behalf of their of your colleagues, because we're not mm. having a, the actual parliament isn't isn't working remotely. But those people are stuck, not there.
2: Exactly. It's been a really interesting thing because I, and I understand it's actually in the legislation we're not able to do the house remotely, and so everything else like select committees all continued. Uh, and, and I think that's a real strength as well. It means people can come and submit to select committees. They've been doing it increasingly online. Uh, but this has made it so that everybody uh, can take part in that process, which is really, really, I think, a powerful thing. But yes,
1: in the house, you have to
2: be there in person.
1: I'm going to play Sophie Madeline, Take Your Love With Me.
3: could navigate the ocean in a homemade boat and fly across the desert
1: being in an academic space through the party organization to in parliament really quite quickly it seems. Is, is it a like a is it a shock to you? Do you do you wake up and pinch yourself and think, how did that happen? It's funny because I
2: do have times when I think, wow, I'm an MP. It's a little bit flash and I I want to never take that for granted. I, I think I'd I, I I know technically people consider me to be an academic because the whole PhD thing and but I've never worked in a university and and so for a long time I didn't accept that title Uh, but now I kind of have but it was an accepting of that 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 allowed me to kind of accept the title of politician because my pathway, the way I look at it, is more that I've been an activist for a long, long time and look to create change. And from working on the ground uh, to becoming more involved in management, governance over a long time, then moving into parliament seemed a natural step. That I've always said there's change happens in, in many levels. Um, and there's some things can only happen if you're an MP in Parliament. And so it got to a stage, especially for rainbow communities, where I wanted to be the person in Parliament that was going to push things and make sure that things were done according to how the community leaders and um, all of the research, all of the work that's happened within our communities, how that they would prefer that that went, as opposed to being told, this is it. Uh, we're doing this legislation, we think you need it, but we're going to do it the way we want it rather than the way you need it. So that—that that is, I see my core role. So in that case, it's been a long, natural progression. I'm a lot older, you know, I'm very settled in my life and and I have great clarity of what I'm doing here and how much I need to get done. And the way I look at it is if I only have three years, what must happen now? What must happen today? So I'm, I'm a strategic thinker, I made my living doing treaty relations and strategic planning for nearly 20 years before coming here and interspersed with big research projects. I was on five projects when I got elected. I'm still on two. And that just helps keep me connected with the community, with the thinking that's happening at the moment, because it's very easy to get stuck in this world. And even though technically we represent our party, the people certain people in New Zealand, we've never claimed to represent everybody. Uh, but it's also easy to get stuck in this bubble and think that we're the be all and end all and what we know, what we think is it, and it, it can never be. And so staying connected with my communities, staying connected with my family. You know, on yesterday, I was up at Amarai, just around the corner from where I live, talking about a housing project that they want to do. Uh, They did all the research, did all the work, and get to Kainga Order and they go, mm, no, we don't like it, we'd rather you did it like this. You know, people are like, it's not what we need. And so it's just those kinds of things that when you're looking at such the macro, which is law and, and announcements, and and then you drill down to what's happening in the community. That's that's the real life. And if we don't stay connected with real life, we lose our way. And I I can never, I could never have that happen.
1: We always have to be careful when we're asking people questions about how different groups are doing because we have to have that caveat around the not being a single experience but also who are you to speak on behalf of that, but you're in the House of Representatives, so let's assume that we can speak somewhat on behalf. Are there particular effects of the COVID pandemic on those rainbow communities? Are there particular angles that we should be thinking of or aware of? In terms of rainbow communities, because
2: there are already major issues about access, to, especially gender affirming healthcare in our system, our government has prided itself that last time in lockdown, we there wasn't much interruption to um, mainstream health health provision. This time, though, there's huge impacts, and it's it's very clear, it's undeniable, and that has certainly meant that for people trying to get access to certain things, that that has affected it. Other things are some medication coming into the country, so people who are on particular types of medication, uh, that that source is has been delayed and so it's quite tricky when you've worked hard to find it what is exact right for you. And I imagine this applies across the board to many communities, many people suffering, and especially people with rare rare diseases uh, and rare disorders, because if this is the that, that thing, the that thing you need and it's late getting here, that's a real, real issue uh, for people. There's <clears throat> the fact that we've had two major pieces of legislation come through at the same time that have impacted on rainbow communities uh, that has um, reinforced some of the kind of mental health issues because it has provided a huge platform for anti-trans lobbyists and and people have been able to day after day, hour after hour, say really horrible things against uh, trans and rainbow communities. So what we're finding is across mental health providers, uh, the increase, so for COVID, the lack of physical connection and being able to see people and um, connect across rainbow communities was already affecting people. And then with the hearings, uh, there's a huge spike of people seeking care and getting really worried because technically, uh, this is a government bill. It has Labour and Green support, both bills con- banning version practices, uh, but also self-identification for uh, trans, non-binary and intersex people on their birth certificate. Technically, we all know these are going through, they, but it's all of the hours of hearings that have allowed people to spread hate and misinformation. Huge misinformation has gone out into the community. Those of us who are supportive have also been trolled quite heavily over this, I've had people uh, let me know like leaders in our community who have been largely not personally affected, and now getting trolled, getting things sent. People find their personal addresses. Uh, they bomb all of their Facebook posts. Uh, they go it, It's ring their organisations. We've we've had people uh, wow. with anti-trans people ringing their workplace and saying you shouldn't be employing this people. I had many many. And emails telling me I should resign from Parliament because I support the lives and dignity of non-binary and intersex people, and and I'm very clear who my communities are and who put me here. The Green Party put me on the list high enough that I could get in, so I stand for all our policies and our charter. But I have been 40 years fighting for our Māori people, over 35 years for our rainbow people, and that's who I answer to. And so I, I actually say, when people say, you should do this and you should do that, uh, you should what, what misinformation, you should tell us what's not true. And I said, I already wrote a thesis, you can read that. I'm not accountable to
1: you. Do you have to have, is it a thick skin you have to have in that situation or some sort of resilience?
2: Absolutely. I'm I'm in a position where I am here to fight for our people and I can get angry, and I certainly do. I can get a bit upset. I don't have the privilege to be thin-skinned about it. I have to keep um, doing this work, and it's why I'm here. And that's one of the benefits of being a bit older, having had access to strong support um, when I have needed it personally, but I can't get hurt by every single revolting email. I can't get hurt by every horrible person that I hear talk because I've got work to do. And so I make sure I've got the people that I can talk to, download, vent if I need to. But generally, the bulk of it goes over my head. I don't care what they say. I think if you're going to put all the me, maybe there's one trans person out there that's going to get in a break, finally, from the tirade that they receive and the discrimination that they face. Uh, so I think you're thick skin just generally in this place. Decisions get made uh, all the time. And that you care about the decisions about what's rolled out of COVID, how we're changing strategy, the fact there's no specific Māori targets or strategy, uh, that is quite upsetting to me, and I have to take a deep breath and get on with the work.
1: The theme of our show is positive but not deluded. Do you have to maintain, <laughs> do you have to maintain a positive mindset? Do you have to actively work on that in, in the work you do?
2: I don't have to actively work on it because that's how I live my life. I have great clarity of why I'm in this world, why I'm in this place now, and, and I have an absolute, utter belief about where we're going and what will happen in this country. And because that is absolute, then I notice when things are happening, that are obstacles I notice uh, when things are delayed, but I have no doubt, zero doubts of where we're going and what we need to do. And so I just keep moving in that direction. I find my mates who are also moving in that direction. I take leadership advice from across our communities, and we keep going. Because if I can't do it here, where do we expect we can do it? And I want to always give hope to people to say there will be another day. Yep, this has happened. The setback's happening. We'll get around it. We'll get past it. I look at, especially with the conversion practices where All of the mainstream churches came out in support of that bill. And I was a young activist for homosexual law reform when every single church except the Unitarian Church uh, spoke against homosexual law reform. And, And that's taken 35 years, but it's only 35 years. In my lifetime, this country has transformed in its acceptance of rainbow people. And when these other bills start going through, then that relative privilege that has been afforded lesbian and gay people has just been a normal part of life. In another 30, 35 years people will look back and be ashamed of what our country had to listen to with the anti-trans crap that's going on right now but we keep moving. I expect to be doing this work long enough to see that happen.
1: I like that idea of, you said, find my mates we talked quite a little bit about the transition town approach of you don't have to convince everybody, just get on and 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 live a better life, find the people who, who want to get on with it. Is, is that an important part of making a difference? Is that finding the people first who actually, you know, agree? Even though you might be preaching to the choir with those people, it's still important to have that that, that group of, of people working together?
2: This is critical because it's so easy to individualize what's going on, to think I'm the only one. And and usually, no matter what the issue is, you're not. And so when you reach out to people, A, there's an element of support, but B, it strengthens your resolve. It means you don't need to be the leader all the time. You don't have to be the one that carries it all the time. You've got people that go, nah, I can do this, but you can do that, bit." And and together, we just keep moving forward. And And when you see that you're part of a bigger vision and you're just this section of it, you don't need to be the be all and end all. You can take a day off. You can be sick. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up and came through in a political thing of where we, we had to do everything. It was all on us and we felt the burden of it. And I never took a day off. I was always if I dragged myself through being sick. And if that's one thing COVID has done, it said, Stop. Do not do not come to work if you're sick. If you have symptoms. Keep away from us. And I think that's a really opposite thing to what's been in the past is soldier through, uh, you know, just keep doing the work anyway. And, but that thing of finding your mates is just, especially for our young people who, who want to do a thing and they're all excited, and I've been those youth, youth activists, is to say, awesome, awesome, find your mates. Who else thinks like this? So it's not just all on you. Um, And and when a drama happens in your life, as it always will, uh, other people can keep things rolling and can keep, and, and the important thing for me is always to create space. Because depending on what your vision is, there'll be people who do things in a certain way that don't always suit who you are. And you might not necessarily feel included in that space. It's like, that's okay. You walk alongside other people. I was going here's your tight crew and then there's all these people you walk alongside and you collaborate with you do things but here's your crew these are the people you rely on the people you trust and who and, and I guess that's because that's how I've. it's 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 how I advocate as a way of operating you don't need to be tight with everybody but if you have a shared vision it it lifts your eyes and it lifts what you're trying to achieve to a higher level And then all this detail stuff, all this, oh, I don't like how they say that. Oh, I don't like what they did over here. And these, to whatever degree that might be completely valid complaints or concerns, you actually don't need to worry about it. It's like, okay, that thing over there, not about me, not about what we're trying to do, because we're doing this. And this stuff here does not matter. We will not deal with that, we're dealing with this. And it helps bring disparate groups together into that much much bigger vision of what we're trying to achieve and even if it's as simple as and it should not be in the credibly low bar of trans non-binary and intersex people being allowed to uh, be human being allowed to exist in this world being able to self-identify who they are then uh that's a vision a lot more people uh have been able to join in and that's what the conversion practice is coming back to that seeing all these churches supporting all these things A lot of our community did not know they thought that, did not know, did not understand that. I was going, this is powerful. This is a seismic shift from when I was a young person. And that tells us how the world is moving, that these anti-trans people, they're getting their platform now, their little five minutes in the sun. Uh, History will judge them very, very badly.
0: Bubble sprite of the forest of Orokinui, Dunedin's favorite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie.
4: I hope you're always staying with My beloved universes. I really hope wherever you are, it's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining, and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who are you, a triumph of natures, are perfect, unique, and here, making things think. Be- Thank you. Now, I know that for all of us, the last almost two years, and incredibly stressful and it's so important that we give ourselves time and space to grieve for the life that we loved, the life that we took for granted, the life that has gone and give ourselves that time and space to grieve on a personal level but also as a collective, as a community, as a country, as a planet. But also in the midst of this grief of course, we can find so much to be grateful for, so much to sustain us and to remind us of who we are and what we can do, even under very different circumstances. Of course, it's also an opportunity to never take things for granted again, to enjoy that sense of the wonder and the magic that surrounds us in our lives, how special each moment can be, not to be and we're allowed to be fully seen fully present with that moment as I talk to you now I'm gazing out over the hills of Northeast Valley and a thick mist is rolling in and of course where we are so beautiful so enchanted and when we can consciously look for these powerful beautiful places that surround us it can be a great comfort and help so I really hope for you you're having the opportunity to do things which are helpful to you we now have COVID in the South Island And of course, there are so many different ideas and perceptions of the best way forward. Having had my own vaccinations, I feel very relieved that I've been able to do that and that I will be able to continue with my work with all the lovely young people coming to visit me at Orokanui and of course that time outside, that time connecting with nature is so important. So I hope that for you in the same way, you are able to continue to do what you love, even if it may look different. And I really hope for you that you're feeling that you have the support and security in place that you need to feel safe and feel comfortable in your daily life. Of course, during this time, we're learning so much about ourselves. We're learning so much about the extent, the expanse of our hearts. And with each heartbreak, of course, And each loss, our heart grows. Our heart grows stronger and opens more and more so that we can love more and more. We can encompass more and more with our love. So I hope that you can feel this at this time of change, that you all have grown in your capacity to love and to nurture, that you will have grown in your capacity to feel that despite this suffering, you will have grown stronger. And although we... Are finding ourselves in a new reality. There's so much that has come before from our old life to help us now, and so much new magic awaiting us in our new life. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much, Kaki. Too.
1: You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Elizabeth Carey. Carey.
0: Elizabeth. Uh, Jack came home from school the other day. My 11 year old boy. He he came home from school and he goes. I'm going to tell you the story, but I'm not going to use the actual names because because the names are identifiable and I don't want to do that. So I'm going to call. um, So Jack comes home from school and he goes, I saw Sarah today. And I said, how's Sarah? And he said, oh, Sarah walked past me and I said, hi, Sarah. And Sarah said, oh, I'm not Sarah anymore. I'm James. And Jack goes, oh, okay. Hi, James. (laughs) And James goes, hi, Jack. And that was the conversation. And it was so beautiful and perfect and absolute acceptance. Beautiful. If Sarah can be James, then Sarah can be James. And and I look at, you know, there's this um there Jack knows a couple of kids who identify as non-binary, um, and and there's this massive, beautiful spectrum of of gender identity that's happening in the intermediate school here in Fakatani. And and I think it's really absolutely flipping beautiful it's so nice and it does remind me of all these years where there has been this real anti-crowd and they've had such a strong voice and I know that that voice is is slowly being quite quite and and put into the box where it belongs a box of hate uh, and I just um I wonder what what can we do to really support this movement for acceptance that is playing out in Whakatane but might not be playing out throughout the rest of the country? How can we get people supporting this?
2: I think exactly that. Bring up our kids to be accepting of who people are, that we actually don't have the right and we should not try to uh, control who anyone else is. We should not try to tell anyone who who they are. So that's inside our immediate family uh, because when you create a space of acceptance and love, where actually it's just normal, then then our homes are the first place to do that. And then that spreads out. We don't know what an incredible impact that little interchange would have had on James. Uh, yeah. To so, so normal, so ordinary, just an ordinary person. No one's asking you about, have you had surgery? No one's asking you, why did you do that? Just like, okay, sweet. Just, that's beautiful. And then in the community, it's I always say is to use our privilege in the spaces of influence that we have. Because even though we all will have some area in our life where we are not privileged, where we have been hurt, uh, where we are discriminated against, there'll be other areas still have it better than somebody else. And so for me as a cis person who is a uh, but also lesbian femme, I've never had my gender challenged in any way ever. And and so I have huge privilege in that sense uh, over people. So in the spaces that I speak to, I use that voice. And I will be adamant, I will be direct, I will shut down anybody who is um, threatening the safety of anybody in my communities. I will use whatever privilege I have and whatever means I have. And it's just Broadening that circle of acceptance, but also just to say, like for me, using those Māori concepts of Modi, that who someone is and how they express themselves, that's them. We just have the ability to appreciate it and be part of it. We have no saying that we shouldn't. We should just, in the same way we choose to, how I express myself, I don't get to say or comment on how someone else except to say how much I might love it, uh, Or even, no, I talk about Waidua, I talk about mana, I talk about all those things, about the basic dignity of someone's life and the right to just get on with it. Don't want to be special, don't need a parade, just would like to go to the shop without getting hassled. Would like to be able to have um, documentation where your birth certificate matches your passport if you have to need two forms of ID to open a bank account. Whatever it is uh, that the kids in our school can figure out who they are at a time of questioning and exploration in a safe space and that might change that might be fluid Um, yeah it's very much about that create space when you can privilege when you can but generally just be a good human just realize that we're not in charge of each other and just be someone that but create things in such a way that's that 10 years from now someone will come up to you and say I didn't tell you at the time but you said something and that changed my life just the loving way the way you're inclusive the way you spoke about this thing that really affected me and that changed and I went home and I talked to my child who's transitioning and I mean I've had the huge privilege to have received those kind of comments through my resources through my research because I've dedicated my life to this I want our kids to grow up and grow old I want our people to never have to worry that their life their life and their livelihood is threatened just want people to be part of this world because A, we've got so much work to do we need all the workers and but also <laughs> you know, what um, what are we losing to this world when people feel they can't be part of it anymore because they're not accepted where they are? So every chance to uh, to to be inclusive, to be supportive, to just yeah, be someone people would like to be around. Take that chance.
0: That idea of being a good human, and um, we've interviewed Tamati Coffee a couple of times, and that was what he says every time. That probably every time we have a a Waiariki LEC meeting, he talks about being a good human. It's that's who he is, and I see that that's who you are as well. And and it's um it's such a beautiful thing and i think we need a lot more good humans in the world to support our kids as they're defining their identities and having to wear labels that are not their own labels exactly
1: exactly let's take talking heads flowers we've seen lots of changes in society over the last nearly two years since the pandemic mm. started. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? When we had the first
2: round of the pandemic, of the original COVID, and I watched what was happening on the other side of the world, and, and I was 100% behind our strategy. You know, we came here, we got rid of it controlling it at the borders, and I thought, yep, sweet as. And I kind of didn't take it too seriously. I thought, what we're doing here will be safe. And I think creating safety as a nation, that is very important role for government to do for its people. And so we have rolled along in in level one, and all of the the hassle has been at the border. Now we're at a point with Delta where it's way sneakier. Um, Even though our vaccination's going up, very concerned for our Māori people especially um i think i hope the things that will stick is a message of kindness i like that message i think it's not always consistent across uh across our communities and across what government does just because there were a lot of inequalities in this country before covid and covid just highlighted them so there's an aspect of um and I could, it's kind of related to being a good human however it's it's still very individual. It's still individual. And so the things I really think will still but also they're an extension of what was already there is community coming together to organise all of our marae certainly in the Tairafati, I'm sure it happened across the country, uh galvanized. it's you know, in the first round they knocked on the doors of every Komatsua in kuya to see whether our elders alright, where they did they have food, did they need someone to go shopping for them? You know, because even though it's great if you've got Fano around you, but the reality is sometimes, you know, all your kids live somewhere else. They're overseas or they're in Wellington, whatever it is, that those, that connecting with communities, knowing who's there, knowing who um, might need support. And so I love those things, is, is reinforcing that we're all connected to each other, that we're not just individuals who, um, whether we choose individually or not to get vaccinated or not is not actually the issue it's it's how do we work together as community and so i think those are good things um the i hope i hope that workplaces can be more generous about letting people work from home and doing four day weeks because the fact is we can i remember at one point i think it was last here this and some of the uh, government buildings in a building that could house over 2,000 staff, there were just over 200 people there that actually had to physically be in the building. It's like, let's think on that because yes. one of the gifts gave us is time because I wasn't traveling, traveling back and forth to work, traveling out to meet people and um, and visit and absolutely there's an energy when you're in person, especially if people are doing our thing you need to actually go and see, that's critical. But actually we can still make a connection, have the conversation and then when it's possible to do an actual physical visit. But yeah, I, I would hope that workplaces can see we can do things quite differently. We can break down this bureaucracy more to enable people to have better family time. People will work better. Get kept the hours done with all the, without the commuting, without the wasted time that happens when you're in an office. I've worked for myself for a long time, but I did a stint with Whangaianga Paharakeke, an initiative between the police and uh, iwi, local iwi to fight family violence. And for the first time ever in this country, our stats started going down because of the nature of the approach. Instead of looking for evidence to charge someone, we say, what does this whānau actually need? and how do we how can we support that and it's like oh hello because you know if people just had a secure home and secure income we would make dramatic inroads into violence full stop and so long-winded way <laughs> coming back to i really, really hope that workplaces can look cl- more closely at how we can be much more um, supportive of Farno to be together and in- of uncertainty especially uh, get their work done and allow them to have more time in their life. Just being in an office, there's a lot of wasted time. Because <laughs> you chat morning tea breaks.
1: <laughs> what lessons do you think we can take from the pandemic and the pandemic response for the bigger sorts of questions that we face? And I'm thinking of things like climate change and social justice mm-hmm. and the, the larger scale Is there stuff that we can take from it? Absolutely. One of the absolute massive things for me was
2: I've always uh, been told, and Catherine Delhante, one of our former MPs, used to say that legislation change making law is one of the slowest ways to make law and make change. Making laws, yeah. And in COVID, we learned that law can be made super fast, that money can be magicked out of nowhere, and that things can get done. I know that I've seen things coming through on Facebook and other places where they're saying, imagine if you applied that model to cancer. Imagine if you applied that model to domestic violence. What would it look like if you actually said, right, that is it, we are stopping this. Imagine if we actually said, instead of dragging it out and the whole emissions trading system and all the rest of it, we said, you know what? We are doing this. We are, we are sorting transport. We are sorting agriculture. We are throwing all the money we need into um, regenerative ways of operating, clean energy, the whole thing. It's happening right now, people. Buckle up. We're doing this as a nation because we must. Imagine if we did that and we could. Actually, we could. I remember at the beginning of the COVID, I used to annoy people by saying, why is it that the deaths of these people from COVID is more important from all the Māori who are dying right now from all the diseases, all of the conditions that affect us worse than everybody else? And every DHB is failing Māori in every single condition, and we are dying so much younger, why are COVID deaths more important? Why are the people with that disease more important than anything else? And I little bit still think that. And because, yes, we don't want the um, COVID here. We kept it out as long as we could. Delta's too sneaky for us, but we can still things do things we can learn from overseas. We can take those lessons, but also we can be courageous. We could say, you know what? We've done it for this. We can do it for some other things as well. The lives of other people affected by other things. And I mean, we saw the same thing: the people who lost their job because of COVID got treated far better, got in, got got subsidies twice as high as someone who lost their job for any other reason the day before COVID. And and so those things we have to avoid creating double standards in the way that we do this when we have the opportunities to be courageous, to be dramatic. Uh, but let's not talk about transformation. Let's just do it.
1: Maybe there's an opportunity for us to make sure that that courage and drama happens in the next couple of years, and it not be the not be a sort of a hunker down. Let's let's just recover quietly. Response. I have some questions to end the show with, and almost negative time to do them, so we shall have to rattle through them. What's the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years?
2: I think the biggest success will be uh, getting nearly 160,000 signatures uh, for banning conversion therapies in less in about a week and forcing the government to put it back on the agenda when it was not.
1: What's your superpower?
2: I think it is having clarity of vision. And inside that vision, bringing people together and making and having the skills to make it happen.
1: You've said that you've long considered yourself to be an activist. Do you still consider yourself to be an activist?
2: Absolutely. I think if every day I do not try to subvert uh, and speak against uh, the colonial practices that this place is built on, then I'm colluding in the ongoing institutional racism and settler-colonial racism that is the natural outflow from this place. And that helps keep me sane. That helps keep me grounded. And that's why being at home, just practical things like working in the garden, putting my hands in the dirt, that our ancestors have worked, uh, reminds me who I am, where I come from, and why I'm here.
1: So what motivates you? What keeps you gets you out of bed in the morning?
2: It's that clarity. I have a drive. I have a fire inside me. And it keeps me going. I know why I'm here. I just have to get on with it. I know every day what I've got to do. And I need to be organised to plan for it so I can fit in all the unexpected and random stuff that always happens. And yeah i have never i never have a problem with keeping on going i have a problem with stopping and resting and so i only last admitted to sleeping every single night and that's been the challenge sometimes i crave all-nighters but um i don't drink smoke take drugs and yeah turns out that be having all-nighters every couple of weeks wasn't a type of an addiction (laughs) (laughs) so
1: and lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners?
2: Take care of yourself. Make sure that you get the support that you need so you can be who you are in this world, to be strong in who you are, to know where you come from, because that helps you get down all the things that you put in this world to do. I wish you all the very best in getting through this COVID and whatever is the next drama that's going to happen, because things will come and go. But who you are will be solid. And, yeah, let's get to a point where we can just enjoy life and, and be happy, but get some work done.
1: Thank you for that. Mawera.
0: Elizabeth, um, I feel so much gratitude for you, for your voice in uh, our community and your love and support for our rainbow community in particular, but also for the day that you stood with us on, outside the Parliament, probably one of the most significant days of my life. And you're so good and so kind. And um, thank you very much just for all that you do for all of us.
2: You are so, so welcome.
1: Thank you.
5: Insanity, come now and comfort me. Cause it's a beautiful day. Oh, it's all so nice. It's a beautiful day. Everything's all. Drifting away. Oh, come on, you gotta free your mind. They're gonna tell you a little story about how we're gonna find a place to go and a place to play. where we can have more all the creatures that are out to stay. Freedom, Freedom is a state of mind. A place to go from time to time. I get away, even only for a little bit. Oh, come on, let your inhibition sit. we got to feel it coming through.
1: You've Freedom been listening to Blowing bubbles, bubbles, positive conversations with people them. in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Find us on a target access radio where we are streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. Someday we could break this it's, it's
5: a beautiful day.
1: You can find us on Facebook and wherever you get your podcasts. It's a beautiful day. We had a contribution where today from Tahu McKenzie. This a is Duncan a Disorderly day. and the Scallywags' A Beautiful Day.
5: So, so nice It's a beautiful
1: day Everything's alright hey! I'm Sandra Ruan, I'm at Otago Polytechnic today with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani and from Palo Buildings we've been joined by Dr Elizabeth Kerry. But that was Blowing Bubbles We hope you enjoyed the show
5: Boys and girls, wherever you are around this world, this is your moment, this is your time where you can get down and get involved. If you're driving your car, cooking some dinner, with your mates, or just in a state, this is your time, it's your rhythm break, so get involved, get involved.